Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Chapter 1, Luke 1, and uh, we're going to look at this, another part of when the angel showed up and spoke to Mary, Luke 1, verse 26. Jeremy, do you mind turning that heater down or the? Thank you, buddy. Luke 1. I'm going to read and then we're just going to go. All right. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee. Verse 26. I'm sorry. In C uh, to a, I'm starting over. Mulligan. <laughs> now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept wondering what kind of salutation this was. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said this. This is what we're going to focus on today. The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she, who was barren, is now in the sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave, the bond slave of the Lord. <laughs> May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. So, Jesus, I need your help. All right, so. We're talking about this idea about the birth of revival because Jesus is revival in flesh, okay? And, and, and so, so the word says this, or I say the word, the word for revival, the definition is for revival is an improvement in the condition, strength, or fortunes of someone or something, an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again, a new production of an old play or a similar word. So revival is the improvement of conditions, all right, revival is the improvement of strength. It's the, revi- the revival of fortunes of someone or something. It's bringing life to something that was dead. And so when Jesus came, when Jesus was born, he, he came. Uh, we know he came to die and save his former sins. He came to save the world. But Jesus came to save and seek that which was lost. 
And he came to essentially revive the ability, revive our birthright of walking, Genesis chapter 3, hand in hand with the Lord in the cool of the day. He came to revive that relationship. He came to bring revival, if you will, to intimacy with the Lord. Because at that time, it was just the high priest would go in once a year. Once a year, they spent all year repenting, all year repenting, this priest would. And one day, on one day, on one month, once a year, he would walk into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice for all the people. And if he had any spot, if he had any wrinkle, if he had any blemish, if he had any sin on his life, he'd poof, fall over dead because he had to be spotless before the Lord. And so they would actually tie a rope around the priest and then occasionally they'd tug on the rope and he'd tug back to say, I'm still alive, dude. <laughs> and if he didn't tug back, they'd be like, oh. There's another one. And they pull the dude out. He'd be deader than a doorknob, right? And so, so here's this thing going on. And Jesus comes to revive that relationship where we don't have to be fearful of being in the presence of the Lord. We, I mean, there's the fear of the Lord. There's the wonder of God. Where it's like, whoa, you're God. Like, we have that. But he came so that we could walk in intimacy and covenant relationship with him. So he really is the person of revival, if you will. Jesus' arrival, again, was an announcement. It was an announcement that, hey, the earth has kind of went to hell in a handbasket, but I'm going to improve the conditions of the earth again. I'm going to come and walk the earth. He was, his birth was an announcement that I'm going to give strength to men again because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So he gives strength by living inside of us. That Jesus' birth was an announcement that he's restoring the fortunes of the earth again again. And I believe it's what like a really good example. We've used this before. The Lord restoring the fortunes of the earth is a, like we could say it's the Lord prospering the shopping center. And, and I'm not arrogant saying it's because of us. I'm saying it's because of him because we're here hosting the presence of the Lord. The Lord begins to bring healing to the things around us. That's why something that was empty for six years that they couldn't pay someone to lease across the street from us got filled up and they actually begin to pay to recover and reclaim lane the parking lot why because the lord came to restore the fortunes of the earth all right isaiah 9 6 says this for a child will be born to us a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders isn't that wild the government of the world rests on the shoulders of a baby is what was prophesied Some of us have high hopes for our kids. <laughs> like, like, oh, don't put pressure on it. Joseph's like, come on now, Mary, don't put pressure on Jesus. You know, I'm kidding. But I mean, not, like, this is what's going on. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, or Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and hold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And so here's this Jesus that's born and Isaiah prophesied that there will be no end to the increase of his government, which is his kingdom or of peace. By the way, where his kingdom is, there's always peace. Peace is always an announcement that he's there. It's always, that's like when you pray and you're like, oh, he shows up. You're like, he's there. It's the, it's the announcement of his kingdom. 
Peace and his kingdom go hand in hand. There is no strife in his kingdom. Okay? So if you find yourself in strife, you're like, I need to get in his kingdom because there is no end to that. And, and he says there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, which means that when we pray Matthew 6:10 on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying, Lord, let there be no end to the increase of your kingdom. Like we're not saying just grow your church, God. We're saying grow your kingdom. Like may you, may you governmentally reign here in Louisville, right? And, and it's, like, it's like, well, are you saying there needs to be uh, a lack of separation of church and state. Like, I don't care if there's a separation of church and state. I just think we need to pray that the Holy Spirit begins to lead and guide and direct the people who's in charge. <laughs> I think he needs to influence them, right? Because then there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Like, if we say God's in control, like, do we really believe he's in control? Or do we really want him to be in control? I don't want to make decisions. I want him to make the decisions for me. And I just say, yeah, that's just what I want. And so Isaiah prophesied that there would be no end to the increase. And so when we're saying we want revival, when we're saying we want the Lord to move, we're saying we want you to move to such a degree that it can't even be contained in this little dilapidated shopping center. We, we want you to come to such a degree that it spills out into our neighborhoods and our homes, right? That's why we don't do much through the week yet. We will be doing some stuff eventually through the middle of the week, but I fully expect and anticipate our church gets together, has people over in their houses, they break bread together, and they pray, they serve their neighbors, they love their community, and they see the Lord move. That way there's no end to the increase. April actually said this the other day to me. She said, I think it's amazing we have people strategically placed all around our city, and it's like the church is right in the middle of that. So your home is an outpost of the Holy Ghost. It's an outpost. It's an outpost of the Holy Spirit, right? It's like where you live, it's like, the Lord's going to move here. My neighbors are going to be blessed because I'm hosting the presence of the Lord. My community is going to be blessed because the presence of the Lord lives in me. He lives in my home. When they drive by my driveway or they drive by my house, they may be like, they don't know what that is. We're like, what is that? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. So if we're going to see that, if we're going to see revival, if we're going to see an increase of his government, if we're going to see an increase of his peace, we as Christians, right, have to give birth, I believe, to Christ in this generation. I'm not saying we're Mary, and I'm not saying we're going to pop out a baby. I'm saying we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. I have Christ in us, the hope of glory. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's, it's Matthew 10, 7, and 8, right? Some of my favorite verses. Again, I rattle off a lot of verses. But, and as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. It's like that's how, that's how revival is birthed, is by us giving away the one that has us. So how do we give birth to revival in this generation? I, I, I believe revival is birthed if we allow the Spirit of God to come upon us. Let me read this verse. Uh, Luke one thirty four says this. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? <laughs> so, surprise, you're pregnant. <laughs> how can that be? I'm a virgin. Like, I mean, that's what's going on, right? We, we joked about that last week. But, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Again, revival is birth when we allow the Spirit of God to come 
upon us. Come upon us. The, the phrase, the word come, when he says the Holy Spirit has come, the Holy Spirit come, it means he, he happened to you. Like, <laughs> like, like, like we have things happen to us, but this is like, I, I can't explain it, but the Holy Spirit happened to me, right? Like, that's what's wrong with me is the Spirit of God happened to me. And, and so, so, so the phrase come means it happened to you, and it actually means it landed upon her. And so it's like, here's this, here's this Mary, this probably 14-year-old girl at this time, that the Spirit of God came and just said, I'm looking for something, I'm looking for someone, I'm looking for someone, boop, and he landed on her. That's what's going on in this story. Upon means the location. <laughs> it means, and it's so, so amazing. So, so the Spirit came, landed on her, and upon means on the location, but it actually means in front of, it means near, it means on, it means over, and it comes with the authority and responsibility. It means that when the Spirit of God came upon her, it actually means that he marked her with a call. He marked her with a responsibility. And so when you say, Spirit of the, God, Spirit of the living God, fall upon me or fall fresh on me, we're saying, mark me with a purpose, God. Mark me with a call, God. And you're like, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a preacher. You're called to be part of the royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 9, which means that you're a royal priesthood in your home. You're a part of the royal priesthood at your job. You host the presence of the Lord everywhere that you are and everywhere that you go. And so, so when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you're marked with a purpose. And what's your purpose? Your purpose is to magnify God. Your purpose is what was originally lost in the Garden of Eden. He created man in his image. Why? So that man would bear his image. And our call and our purpose is to bear his image on this earth. That's what we are called to do. If someone says, well, you sure look like Jesus, be like, praise God, tomorrow I'm going to look more like him. You need to come back, right? It's like he's transforming you from glory to glory, right? He's transforming you from faith to faith. And so the more you look like him, the more this world gets to see him. Paul writes that you are a living epistle, which means like you are the written, a living written word of God. You're actually the manifestation of what he looks like here on this earth. And so that is how it's birthed is when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you because he marks you and he calls you with a purpose. And I love this. It says that when the phrase upon means he's in front of you, right? It's like there's a pillar of fire or a cloud before. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's directing you. You're not making up your own mind. You're just following the cloud, man. That's it. That's why Jesus, I read this one a lot too. That's why when Jesus in Luke chapter 4, he was quoting Isaiah 61. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Oh, you know, <laughs> he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovered to the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, he's looking for pure hearts to land on, folks. He's lo- you're like, I want God to use me. I'm saying the Lord needs to purify your heart. Because if you get your heart purified, he'll begin to use you. And now, now also don't feel bad as the Lord. Sometimes purification comes in an instant, but growth and grace lasts a lifetime. And so there, there are people who are further along than us. 
There are people that's been walking in greater things than us, but that does not negate the very fact that he is upon you and he's called you and he's marked you with a purpose. Just walk it out. Don't wish you had what they had. Walk out what you have. And as you walk out what he has given you, he actually trusts you with more. He's looking for pure hearts to land on. <laughs> like, how do we know this? Because he said, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you to marry. And, and, and so why do I believe that he's looking for your pure hearts? I believe it's answered in what she was. She goes, I'm a virgin. <laughs> like, that's weird. But she said, I'm a virgin. Well, what's, what's a virgin? Virgin, it translates as literally, and you're just, excuse me, it's just the word, but means that she knew no man. She knew no man, and the Lord chose her. What does that mean? I believe the Lord wants to come upon people that know nothing else other than him. I'll say it again because it's really good. It's really, really important. She was a virgin, which means she knew no man. And I believe the Lord is looking for a people that will say, I know nothing else but him. I know nothing else. I don't need to know nothing else. I, I don't need to know. I mean, I... The gospel is really simple. Sometimes we complicate. I don't want to know anything. I'm learning to try and know nothing except for Christ crucified. That's it. So I just want to know him. Well, we, we have people to reach. I just want to know him. We have a city to say, I just want to know him. Uh, we, need, we need to plant churches. I just want to know him. And I think those things will be a byproduct of what? Of knowing him. That's it. So he's looking, he's looking for something that's not been tainted, if you will. And you're like, now, now hear this. This is the good news of the gospel. Is you're like, well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty messed up. <laughs> right? I've did this, I've did this, I've did this, I've did this, I've did this. Well, listen, it doesn't matter because he who knew no sin, right, became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so if I'm in Christ Jesus, he doesn't view me as my past mistakes and my past faults. And so literally he looks at me as, as he would look at you. Let's just say that he looks at you as he would look at Mary, the virgin. He would say, they've known nothing else they have known nothing else other than him. And so the Lord is looking for people that begin to get a revelation of just how righteous they are. Now hear that. Because when you're righteous, you're in right standing with God. You're without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. That's how he sees you. Hebrews also says that Jesus is the mediator between us and the Father. And you've heard me say this. That means that we're actually the lens. So when the Father looks at me, it's like he looks through the lens of Jesus. And that's how he sees me. And it's the same thing. When I look to the Father, I'm looking through the lens of Christ Jesus when I see the Father, right? That's what, that's Hebrews uh, uh, 1, 1 or 1, 2 says that, that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. We need him to purify us and cleanse us, man. It's like, uh, and, and I say this, like if we want the Lord to really use us, we need to be sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit and be living a holy life. And again, I'm not saying, now notice I didn't say, don't do this, 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 right? Don't smoke or chew or date girls that do. Like we're not saying that, right? 
<laughs> We're not saying that. We're saying, I don't even know if I said that phrase right, but it's recorded. It's live. <laughs> it's not about the rules. That's right. It's about he came upon me. That's it. It's about that. And I'm telling you, the, the, the rules and the stuff, they'll start to go away. I'm just telling you. Because if the only thing that I know is him, I'm telling you, the stuff that used to matter in my life do, do not matter anymore. I don't need to go do the exact same things. I don't preach against doing things. I think the things will take care of doing themselves. I think if we could just get an appropriate appreciation for his value, that's what we talked about Luke 15 the other night, Friday night, Home isn't a place. Home is where his presence is. That's why the prodigal got lost, and that's why the elder brother thought he was an orphan, because they had an inappropriate appreciation for home and the presence of the Lord. And so if I know him, he comes upon me, and he purifies me, right? And him purifying me qualifies me to be used of God. Point two. I mean, there's no easy way to transition. Revival is birth if we allow the Holy Spirit to overshadow us. He says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will overshadow you. I love that. Overshadow means to envelop. It's actually the same word that was used in Matthew 17. Was it Matthew 17, 5? When they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice came out of that cloud. And so overshadow, it could be translated as cloud or to envelop, to encircle you. And so when we're praying Isaiah 64, 1, right, we talked about that, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. We're saying, God, would you come down to such a degree, right, that you actually lay prostrate on earth is what we taught previously. But it's, it's would you come down and just poof, make yourself known? And so... So he says this, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and will overshadow you, which means he'll surround your life and actually overshadow you. Because you understand, like, there's, there's sh- your shadow. My shadow is here because the light is shining upon me and what I'm casting is a representation of what's right here. And he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and will overshadow you. So if he's the light, quite literally, if he's the light, the very shadow that she's casting, the thing that's overwhelming her life is him. We need the spirit of God to envelop us in a cloud. (laughs) We need the spirit of God to envelop us in his presence. Why? Because if he does... People will end up knowing that he's in our life. Hear me. It's, it's, not, it's not about what you do. It's not about who you know. It's not about rubbing elbows with people to try and climb a ladder. Come on. Like, it's, it's, like it, it, it's not about climbing. It's not about climbing, climbing a ladder of success. It's about living your life in such a way that he begins to overshadow you. And it's like this, by the way, like the lower you place yourself, the easier it is for something to overshadow you. <laughs> like like if, if I wanted this basket to overshadow me, it cannot be down here, right? 
One of two things needs to happen, and probably the same thing needs to happen. I need to make myself lower, and I need to make this basket higher. That's why John the Baptist prayed, he must increase and I must decrease, right? So it's about living humbly before the Lord and just acknowledging him. And it's like, like I'm not telling you to live your life on your knees. I'm saying live your life with your heart on its knees, right? And it's being humble before the Lord, broken before the Lord, recognizing that I, I'm nothing without you. I can't do anything with you, God. Would you, would you please help? Would you please come? Would you please use me? I lift you up. That's why when we pray at 930 on Sunday mornings, that's why we pray. We spend most of our time praising and giving him thanks because as we're doing that, what are we doing? We are lifting him up to where he can begin to overshadow our church. Like, I don't, I don't care if anyone knows that this is River City Hope Church. I care if people know that the presence of the living God is here. That's what I care about, okay? And so, so he says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will overshadow you. Now, I believe this. Being overshadowed by the Lord is the most effective way to evangelize people. It's the most effective way. We understand evangelism means to win people that don't know Jesus. That's, the, that, that's what that means. It, it's to, it's, to it's not even to convince. That's apologetics. I think the greatest apologetics is presence. But it's to, it's to help convince people that God's real and, and for them to turn their life and repent and come to him. Okay? So that's what evangelism is. So being overshadowed is the most effective form of evangelism. A life transformed is the most effective way of evangelism. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 5. This will make sense. I love this passage. Acts 5, starting with verse 12. I'll give you time there. Acts 5.12 says, At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's portico. Like I read that and I'm like, I, I want many signs and wonders to happen, right? And it's illegal for signs and wonders to happen. That's what they call strange fire, by the way. It's illegal for signs and wonders to happen if you're not overshadowed by the presence of the Lord. Because then it becomes weird and it becomes about you instead of him. Okay, so it's like when we pray for people in public or if I see someone healed at, at Heine Brothers Coffee, it's probably where I've seen more people touched by God in Louisville. If I see someone touched by, it's, it's, it's not because me, it's because the presence of the Lord is overshadowing. All right, look, look. Verse 13, but not, <laughs> I love this. So at the hands of the apostle were many signs and wonders and were taking place among the people and they were all in one accord in Solomon's portico. Verse 13, but none of the rest dared to associate with them <laughs> because however the people held them in high esteem. Sometimes when the Lord begins to move, it's going to scare other people and it's going to keep them away and you'll be misunderstood. And I'm saying that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not something we need to be arrogant about. I'm saying don't get offended First of all, you shouldn't get offended because love's never offended. But don't get offended if someone doesn't understand what you're doing. Just love them. All right. But the people held him in high esteem. And the more and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added 
to their number. So isn't that amazing? The religious people didn't want to associate with them, but the, high, the, the, the people held them in high esteem, and they kept giving them life to, their lives to the Lord. They're like, well, I don't care what the religious folks say. Whatever you have, I want it. That's what's going on here. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women constantly added to the number, verse 15, to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow, at least his shadow might fall on them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. They were all being healed. So, in order to be, again, in order to be overshadowed, you have to place yourself under something. So here's Peter. He's placed himself under the rule, under the governmental reign of the Lord, right under his kingship. Because in the kingdom, there's only one king. It's not you. Just, let's just start. It's not you. It's not me. It's him. But in the kingdom, there's only one king. And Peter places himself under the one king. And it says that, that people were, were heard that he was there. And then they end up bringing all the sick people to them. So that his shadow, if even a shadow touched them, they would get healed. Notice this is not Peter saying, boop, 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 laying hands on the sick. It had nothing to do with that. It's what overshadowed his life. And so here's this man that surrendered his life. If you read Peter, everyone always laughs. He always put his foot in his mouth. He always got mad. He always got angry. The Lord fills him with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And he preaches the greatest sermon that's ever preached. And he became one of the most effective apostles that ever walked the planet Earth. And his shadow healed people. And by the way, it wasn't his shadow that was being cast. It was the thing that was overshadowing him. And it was so effective... It was so effective, the thing that overshadowed his life, that people began to be like, where's Peter at today? <laughs> Do you know where Peter's going to go today? Well, yeah, he goes to the temple and he worships every day at such and such time. <laughs> I'm going to get there an hour early just so I can be right there. I'm going to get there an hour early just so he could be right there. Like, this sounds crazy to even speak this stuff out, but what would it look like? I think what would it look like today? It'd be like, Every morning at 7.05, I drop my child off at school. And it would be, and we drive right in front of his school. And it would be like me not even paying attention. I'd just be having a conversation with my son. And the street, the sidewalk was lined with people. With sick, hurting, broken, lost people. Why? Because they were hoping that the thing that overshadowed me just happened to touch them. Because they knew they would get their need met. What would it look like if we placed ourselves before the Lord to such a degree that he overshadowed us that we never had to put a bounce house out in front of our church? Come on. Like, I'm not against bounce houses. I think they happen to be quite fun. <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't think I have to throw a carnival to reach lost people. Could, listen, I don't think I have to throw a carnival to reach people. Like, I'm not saying we'll never do a carnival. I'm saying I don't have to do one. We don't have to do one to reach people. Hear my heart on this. The greatest thing to evangelize, to reach people, is the very fact that you are walking humbly before the Lord. That's, that's it. 
It's to burn so hot and bright for Jesus that the only thing that matters is being known by him. You know nothing else except for him, right? That's the only thing that matters. And so that's like why, that's why we don't, that's why we don't talk a whole lot about how to do this. And, and that's why I don't try and browbeat you. You need to go get people saved. No, I think you just need to burn in devotion for God. I think you need to burn in devotion and passion and want to spend time with him that you can't help but reach people, that you can't help but talk about his goodness, that you can't help that his presence follows you everywhere you go. And then people's like, oh, I just need to get in that shadow and their need gets met. Like that's the absolute truth of the gospel, folks. And it's available. It is absolutely, absolutely available. I don't think we don't need better advertising. We, we don't. Like, I love advertising. We've used advertising. We don't need it. What we need is people who say, I'm going to place myself below you. I'm going to walk humbly before you. And your light, well, when your light hits my body, it creates a shadow. And you are actually in that shadow. That's what we absolutely need, folks. We need to host the presence of God. We need to be on fire for God. We need to get along with God at our houses. I'm telling you. And if the only time that we speak to the Lord, the only time that we open this book, the only time that we get on our knees and we pray, or the only time that we sing a song and we worship him, if the only time that we do it is when we're in this space, we have radically failed. I'm saying we spend our time and we burn the candle at both ends when we're alone with him. And then we live our lives on fire with him. It's like, buddy, you can look at me like I have a third eyeball right there. I don't care. I'm walking and I'm living with him and he's good and his love endures forever. And I'm not worried about offending anyone because I wouldn't purposefully offend anyone anyway because he sanctified me and I don't want to be like, look at my Jesus. I want to be, look at my Jesus. Do you understand? Like I'm saying, we need to allow him to overshadow us. The only thing that matters, I'm telling you, the most effective people on the planet reaching people for Jesus are probably the people that we don't even know their names. Because they don't have to be seen. They're just worried about his shadow being cast. <laughs> I'm so challenged by this. Like this... <laughs> This is the opposite of everything that I was taught in Bible college. I'm just telling you. I'm, I, this is the opposite of what I was taught. You know what we do? Like, the template for the church is in here. I just, I just believe. If the template for the church is in here. You read the book of Acts, that's what the church looks like. What we have done... And, and I'm not faulting anyone that does this. I'm not, I'm not talking bad about anyone. This is, this is what I'm saying. It's that you understand what franchise is, right? Like, like, like McDonald's is a franchise. Starbucks is a franchise. Like they have a method and a model of doing things. If you walk into Starbucks here in Louisville, or we were in Columbus, Ohio yesterday, we walked into a Starbucks in Columbus, Ohio, you expect it to look and feel the same. That's just, that's what franchise does. They create steps, formulas, and you follow it. And if you follow it, you will see the results that the, the other franchise had. All too often in the church, we have tried to create a franchise model of the church. Church is not a franchise. Church is actually a family. <laughs> and my family looks different than the Cox's family. My family looks different than the Wells's family. My family looks different than your family. 
But you know what's the same in all of our families? That we have him. That we have him. And so, so if I'm not doing a franchise model, and I'm just trying to do this overshadowed model, it's going to look much, much more different. <laughs> and you're probably going to stick out like a sore thumb, right? You're going to look much, much different. People's going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're nuts. And that's okay. I'm saying it doesn't really matter what anyone else is doing. We honor what they're doing. We never talk bad about their doing. By the way, you should never, ever, ever... You should never, ever, ever talk bad about anyone else. And I believe this. You should never talk bad about the church down the street. You should never talk bad about the minister down the street. And just because they're doing something, we may not even understand or have a revelation for it. We may think, man, that's just crazy. We're not going to talk bad about it because we don't understand the anointing that's on them. We're going to honor them. We're going to bless them. And we're just going to believe that, well, we don't have to do that. We're just being overshadowed by God. We're going to follow that model. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're going to follow that model. Like, I just, it's like, how are we going to grow this church? I just want to have a church that's so hungry for God that you guys can't help but just spill Him out everywhere you go. Amen. <laughs> I love it. Again, Peter wasn't announcing where he was going, but people found him out. They sought him out, which is Isaiah 62 12. Look at this verse. I love this. This would, I, I've, I've even preached from this verse before, and, and the Lord just hit me with it differently this week. Isaiah 62 talks about, Isaiah is prophesying that basically people will become righteous when they walk in relationship with the Lord. Okay? So I need to give that precursor. So if you become righteous and you are righteous because you're covered by the blood of Jesus, we'll say that. Isaiah 62.12 says, and, they, and then they will call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought out. A city not forsaken. You'll be called sought out. Sought means to be, see, to, to be sought, to be sought with care. It means to seek with care. So if we become righteous, people begin to seek us out. Like, we should be telling people about the good news. That's okay. But I'm saying that we, if you get overshadowed, you actually become sought out. And that's what happened in Peter's life. I think that's what's been happening here. I'm, I'm just being real candid. Like, this isn't preaching the gospel, but this is what I believe is happening in this church. That's why people have moved here. That's why people's moved across the country. That's why people have sold everything. It's not for the preaching. It's not for the worship. It's because who's here. It's because who's here. That's it. It's because who's here. And I, won't, I don't want to sell out. I don't want to sell cheap. I don't want to do this, that, or the other. I just, I just want to keep seeking after him. And, and what we're finding, like, I don't say this to brag because I, I say this because it's just the Lord in his goodness. Every week, I'm getting phone calls from people. Every week I'm getting phone calls from pastors. Every week I'm getting phone calls from people across the country. Every week. And they're saying, what are you doing there? And I'm like, they're like, what are you doing through the week? We're hoping our people pray and read their Bibles and worship. What are you doing on Sunday mornings? We come a half an hour early and we just started praying. And we worship. 
And sometimes we worship and worship and worship, and then we preach the gospel, and then we tell our people it's okay to believe the Bible. I mean, like, that's not how every conversation goes, but that's what we're telling people. It's like, oh, I want to be part of that. I'm hearing these things. And then we get people calling, can I come? Yeah, you can come. That's fine. I've been telling people this, too. It's like, you're welcome to come. We don't have any positions to serve in other than you can just come and sit in this atmosphere and environment. And the Lord can begin to heal your heart. And the Lord can begin to use you. And when it's time to go, it's time to go. But you'll be equipped to go. And I'll say that with arrogance. I say that because it's just what, it's just what I've been telling people. It's like the Lord is beginning to make us sought out. That's how it's like some of you have ended up here. And you're like, how did you end up here? <laughs> right? It's like, you can't explain that. You just ended up here one day. We're becoming sought out. And that's something I want to lose. And if it means, if, if it means no one ever knows Michael Perkins' name for the rest of his life, other than the people that's in this room, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. The things that used to be really important to me aren't important to me. The things that are important to me is, and I'm not trying to put anyone on the spot, is, is my boy texted him the other day. It was last Saturday. I didn't even know he texted you. I said, hey, buddy. He was, he was encouraging Logan. Logan had the honor of playing the bass guitar at our district uh, event for pastors the other day. And my boy texted him without our prompting or knowing. And like, I, I'm learning to live for those things. I'm learning to live from text messages like we got from you yesterday about what the Lord's done in your heart. Like to me, that's becoming the most important thing in my life. Learn to live for when we baptize Brittany and just see this young girl. Like it's so beautiful to watch you work when you first, and I'm not trying to single you out. When you first came, you sat in the back and I thought you were scared to death. <laughs> I see you up here this morning worshiping. Like that's what I'm learning to live for. That's what I'm learning to live for. So it's that. And it's like, I don't know what this thing's going to look like. I just know we're going to be overshadowed by him. That's the only thing I want. I'm so off topic, or I'm on topic. I'm on topic, but this, I'm just saying the Lord is making us sought out. And, and sought out, it's a proper pronoun, meaning that that's a, it's, it's a proper noun, meaning that like, that's actually what he calls us. You'll be sought out. And it's, and it's not to say, look at River City. It's not to say, look at my life. It's saying, look at what the Lord has done in my life. Okay? I didn't mean to embarrass anyone. Like, I, I, if I did, I'm so sorry. I'm just like, I'm happy. <laughs> really quick, being overshadowed is the safest place to live. That's at Psalm 91, verse 4, that I read the other night. It says, he'll cover you with his pinions or feathers, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. It's safe to live in the shadow of the Lord. Right? It's safe to live in the shadow of the Lord. And, and I want to I'll spend a little more time on this, so I'm going to move on. Being overshadowed is God's heart for us. Like That's what he desires. That's his heart for you, is to be overshadowed. That's it. Look, Psalm 17, 8, it's what I quoted, or Proverbs 17, 8, it's what I quoted during worship time. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me 
in the shadow of your wings. Hide to conceal, to make me known to no one but you is literally what that means. Hide me. Make me known to nothing or no one else but you. Protect me in the shadow of your wings. Shadow means shadow, but wings actually means in his hymn. You could translate that like, like that, that passage I just quote, quoted a few minutes ago that she touched the hem of his robe. The outer part of his garment is where he is hiding us at. And it's out in the outer part that he ends up bringing healing to you. And he says that he, he just desires to overshadow us. That's his heart. And he desires nothing bad for his children. He doesn't. That's not his heart. And if he desires good, then I'm going to be safe living in that shadow. And so when the angel shows up and says, greetings, favored one. And she's like, you're going to be pregnant. And she's like, how? I'm a virgin. He says, that's what qualifies you. And he says, you are highly favored. And then he says that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to overshadow you. It means that he's going to protect you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. The safest place to be is in that position. The moment I step, listen, the moment I step out of his shadow is the moment that I need to be frightened for my life. Hmm. The moment I step out of the shadow is the moment I need to be frightened for my life because it's under the shadow of his wings that I'm safe. But the moment I step out from that, I'm out here on my own. The moment our church steps out from this is the moment we're on our own. And the moment our church steps out from this is the moment we only get the results that we can get under our own ability. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want what he can do, right? The word's really amazing. <laughs> it's, it's like you, you start looking at words that are used in the same places all throughout the, all throughout the scripture, like I've read, I've read the story of Mary, I don't know how many times. Um, he's overshadowed. Oh, that's a cool thought. You know, whatever. No, <laughs> like there's nothing's wasted in the word of God. Every word is important. Every period, every calm, everything's important. He wants us to live in that position. Amen. Amen. I'd like to pray for us today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.